my heart can sing when I pause to remember how heartache here it's but a stepping stone along the road that it's winding always upward this old troubled world it's not my final home but until just borrowed for a while and the things on earth that cause my heart to tremble remembered there will only bring a smile but until Jesus. 
crossing I could never fall from where I was to his demand it seems so far I cried dear Lord I cannot come to where you are but he came to could not come to where he was he came to me that's why he died on Calvary when I could not come to where he was he came to me say this before I say in the second verse God's been feeling unto me a, a ministry of restoration Sue many of us go in our lives and feel like God you can't use me or I'm done I've made mistakes I've messed up I've goofed up I'm not perfect I'm not as I'm not as good as that one or I'm not as righteous as that one or I'm not as qualified as that one but the Lord's been saying I restore that which has been broken I restore those that have had lives fall apart. I've restored lives that need to be touched. And this second verse endorses that very fact. He came to me when I was bound in chains of my sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within he picked me up and drew me gently right to his side it's where today in his sweet love oh I now abide came to me that's why he died on Calvary when I could not come to where he was he came to me oh when I could not come to where Jesus was. It happened to me on a Sunday night. It could be you a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening anywhere. Thank God he came to me.
up to see. Sorry. Sorry. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange Despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my truth
cross and exchange it someday for a For a country
you're going with me. Praise God. Yes. 
of God. It's good to know that God is able, and I know that there's been a lot of songs about going home, a lot of songs about heaven, and I praise God for what he's doing, and I praise God for the time that we live in today. So many times, and it was brought up, we have troubles in our life, and we are living in an odd time, and like was said there, you may be in a good time. You may have a time when everything seems to be going pretty good in your life. But the days that we live in are not so. The time that we live in are not so. I can watch the news and get so frustrated because I've lived long enough to know that years ago we weren't so seemingly uh, blatant with our sin and open with our sin. And some of the things that are happening are almost fearful to watch little children growing up. Some of you parents, you'd realize that you may think to yourself, and, and we uh, seem like as generations go by, get farther away from God, when the truth is if our children live for God and the generation to come, they're going to have to be taught about the fight of faith, and they're going to have to be taught about the power of God, because nothing can win the battle like what God can win, the way God has set it up. There is no book written outside of God's Word. There's no uh, counselors. There's no anybody that can rescue you from the days that you're facing except for a walk with Christ. And I believe that with all my heart. Today, I want to go to something that I, I know that God laid on my heart, and I want you to hear it, and you will think I'm talking about somebody else, but I'm not talking to somebody else. I want you to hear it and apply it to your own self. I want to talk about Israel. I want to go to the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, and I want to bring up something. I titled this, if you'd ever title a message, I titled this message, From the Scattering to the Gathering. How many knows the Lord scatters? You know the Lord scatters. Did you know why the Lord scatters? Because people get into sin. When we get into sin, God scatters us. We're not together. You know why churches do not hold together? You know why churches do not grow together? Because they're not together, they're scattered. There's a scattering going on in our land. There's a scattering going on in our homes. There's a scattering going on in our youth. I told my wife last night, it wasn't too long ago, a few years back, when the answer to, from the church would be, sex outside of marriage is wrong. Now we come up with, put all the protection in the schools because the kids are going to have sex anyway. 
Nowadays, we do the same thing with the alcohol and the drugs. We don't say, don't do drugs or don't do alcohol. No, we say, let's come up with a, an art can to save them, to spare them from dying. Let's come up with something good because they're sick. They can't help themselves. What happened to saying no? What happens to saying no to the things that God says stay away from? What happened to saying no to your flesh? Instead, we keep on working at making excuses for the sin that we get involved in. Now, you know what? I'm not trying to rile nobody up. I'm not trying to stir up an argument. But the truth is, man cannot fix his problem. That's why he keeps trying to uh, cover it with a Band-Aid, cover it with a white sheet. Don't say it's sin. Don't say my baby's into sin. No, let's say my poor little baby's sick. It's just a sickness going on today. No, that's not true. There's sin involved in going what's going on in our nation. You know it and I know it. That's why our nation is scattered away from God. That's why the church is scattered from God. You say, you're too hard. No, I'm telling you what the Bible teaches. I'm not going to tell you something different. Until the day I die, I can't tell you it no different. I'm not going to excuse myself, not going to excuse my own, and I'm not going to excuse yours. And it ain't got nothing to do with not having compassion like Randy. If we don't have compassion, we won't speak up. If we don't have compassion, and this is Scripture too, we won't chasten our children. We won't correct them. God loves those. He corrects those that he loves. How many hears what I'm saying? I believe in reading throughout the scriptures, Israel is no better than you and I as far as a people. Yet at the same time, God chose Israel. Get over it. You may not like them. You, they've been hated for many, many years. But can I tell you something? My heavenly Father set them up as an example. I mean, here's what I said. He set them up as an example for you and I to see what a people that would have God on their side could do. Also, see what a people that's in rebellion that God will deal with. How many knows God deals with rebellious people too? See, God deals with Christians that are rebellious. God deals with all of us. When we don't do what we're supposed to do, God don't just pat us on the head and say, it's all right, you'll be any way you want to. No, he tells you to align yourself with this word. I don't want God to scatter me and mine. I want God to pull us together. I want him to gather my children and my lost grandchildren, my lost family. I want him to gather them to us. We need to be together, not separated. Don't excuse each other. Love each other enough to, to put your arms around them, to get on your knees and pray, to read your word and know what God is telling you to do. Because if we had more Christians standing on this, instead of standing on what the world says do, the new culture says do it this way. And I'm going to tell you something. They keep getting farther away from God, and guess what God's doing? He's scattering them. Israel got so rebellious, 
And this is back before they ever went into the promised land. They've been delivered out of Egypt. They've come to a place where it's come to Moses is telling the generation that's going to go into the promised land. He's telling them how to prepare and he's giving them the law and he's explaining to them who God is and what God expects to, of them. He does all of this to get them prepared. But listen in the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy. I want you to hear something. This is God saying. Moses, it's Moses' warning, but God's words. Listen to what he says in verse 24 of Deuteronomy 4. For the Lord thy God is a even a jealous God. You know God's jealous over his people? He don't want you to proclaim that you're a child of God and then go out and live like the devil. He wants to say, this is my child that comes to me and I work for him and I, I take care of him and I protect him. I build a hedge about him. I put in the power to go forward. I take care of him. I open the doors. I shut the doors. Verse 25, he says, when thou shalt beget children and children's children, Moses is warning the people, when you beget children and children's children, and you shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourself, and make a graven image, or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God, to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. They ain't even got in the promised land. I mean, here's what I'm saying. But here Moses is telling them through the Holy Spirit that they are going to reject God. They're going to get to a place where they accept the false uh, doctrines. They're going to accept the false prophets. They're going to accept, accept the false gods. And they're going to actually start worshiping them. How many knows their warning? Did you, do you not know that you need to warn your children? If they're in rebellion now, guess what's going to happen down the road? You think they're going to outgrow rebellion? They're not. Excuse me, they're not. You better teach them that you one time was in rebellion, like this was said today, but you got a testimony, and your testimony says, I was delivered from myself. God saved me. He rescued me from myself. I call heaven and earth to witness against you, Moses said, that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land, whereunto you go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. Isn't that a hard word for God to say to the very children of Israel he just delivered out of Egypt, to their children that are coming and getting ready to go into this promised land? Isn't that a hard statement? I think it is. I think this is the God of Israel. And yet he's proclaiming a judgment, a prophecy judgment upon them. Verse 27, I want you to hear this. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. 
and there you shall serve gods and work the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. There is no God besides him. How many knows our God hears? He sees? He smells? He knows all things. But these gods don't. These are all put together by man's hands, works. They put up wood and stone, and they get down and worship it. Tonight, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the Nile River and how they worshiped the Nile River. That's how bad off Egypt was. They were worshiping the river that floated by. You think those things are old, but they're not. They're going on today. I'm shocked at the things that people worship. Because when you worship something, you put it ahead of Christ. When you put something and raise it up to a God in your life, you spend all your time, money, and attention upon it. And it's God is way back on the list of things to do in your life or to put in your heart. It says, verse 29, But if from thence... Thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart, with all thy soul. How many knows? That's why we serve him. Not because he can be the judge, but he can have mercy. Don't you know that's why I serve him? I know he forgave me. See, and I know he forgave Israel. The God that we serve not only has truth and righteousness and judgment, but he is going to set it straight someday. But he has mercy and grace for you and I. I don't deserve mercy and grace, do you? None of us do. But you'll come to a place where you'll realize the enemy's taking me down. He's taking me down. He's got his plan to destroy my life. He don't want me happy. He don't want me coming here and just feel good about being in the house of God, letting the presence of God flow through the songs. You think that this is a, a, just something we do? Let me tell you something. We're going to do it forever. We're just warming up to what we're going to be in heaven. And when we get there, the presence of God is what we're going to be doing. So maybe you ain't ready to, maybe in your mind and in your heart, you don't really want to be a servant of God. Or you don't want to go to heaven. But I'm going to tell you something, you ain't got no choice unless you go the other way. You've only got one Savior. You've only got one God that not only planned it, prepared it, and made a way for you and I. So you, you'll have to learn somewhere in your life. No matter how much beauty you got, no matter how much money you got, you're going to have to set it all aside and say, Lord, I only need you. Till you come to there, you're barking up the wrong tree, I'm sorry to tell you. And you're taking your family up the wrong tree. It says, art in tribulation. How many knows God's looking way ahead? When thou art in tribulation, who's he talking about? 
He's talking about Israel, Bobby. He's all the way back before they even go to the promised land telling them that you're going to be in a tribulation time, Israel. Uh, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient to his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear to them. Do you know God has never forgot when he looks at Israel today, even though they're not stirred he still sees Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Randy, he sees their hearts. He knows what was in them. That's why he called people through them. And he's holding on to the promise that he made to them. Oh God, my parents prayed for their children that we would serve God. My parents' prayers went out for their children to serve. Is your, pray is your prayers going out for your children to serve God? I know that that's what we pray for. And I know that the enemy's trying to stop that. But the God that we serve, if we keep praying and believing that, he will make it happen. He will work on them when no one else even sees their pain, not even sees their sin. Our God will reach in and touch their hearts. See, I can look at my grandson up here, Ethan. I can see him up here trying to get fit in with the songs he wants to be a part of. But more than anything, Heath, I see you walking up there and saying, I'm a part of God. See, that's what I want. That's my prayers over the years. Lord, bring my little children and my little grandchildren to you. God wants his children, the promises that he's made with Abraham, Isaac. He's made a, a vow to them that he's staying true to. Yes, he could destroy them anytime. He could destroy any of us anytime. But no, God's a gracious, a merciful, and a, and a loving God that keeps on working at us. <clears throat> Another place in Deuteronomy 28. That's down toward the end, and I'm going to talk more about that tonight, but I want to read verse 64 of Deuteronomy 28. Because it mentions some of the same thing, and it says, And the Lord shall scatter thee, verse 64 of Deuteronomy 28, And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth unto the other. How many knows? Israel's been scattered for the years. How many knows if you look back at Israel's history, I want you to think on Israel. Listen to me, America. We've heard of Israel all of our life, especially in the church. But I want you to understand something. They've went through things that no nation has ever went through. They have been accused of all the plagues that's happened across the years. Every time something would happen, I know years ago when the, when the, was it bubonic or one of them went up through and was killing people, Israel wasn't dying. They blamed it on Israel. You know why they blamed them on them? Because they washed their hands and they had a cleaning thing that they did all the time and that kept them from getting it. But nobody saw that deep into it. 
So they just wanted to put the curse on them. It's because of them we're all dying. And they tried to kill. They've tried to kill Israel and to destroy them for years. But can I tell you something? God has allowed it to happen. You know why? Because they have rebelled against him and he scattered them. Listen, I know that sounds horrible. You think you're serving a loving, merciful God? You are. But sometimes God lets us fall into places where we need to go, whether we want to hear it or not. And God has brought Israel through there, not only for themselves, but for us also to see that God will deal with you. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many times you messed up. I don't care if your children are living for God or not. You still got God in your heart you can cry out to, and he will hear your prayer. He said, the Lord shall scatter thee among the people from one in the earth to the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease. Listen to this. Israel can find no place of peace, no place of rest, no place of ease. Did you know I heard ministries before of people that were going on mission trips over there to Israel and they would go over there with a group and they would take them over there and they would preach all around where Jesus preached. But when I would see that and I would think of the stories they would tell of how when the enemies would come against Israel and to this day, night and day, they have no rest. They're always on alert at all times. They've got alarms that go off and they run with all they got. They drop everything they're doing and they run to the shelters because they've always been under that. We don't understand that in America. But they have lived in that type of situation. Do you think God don't know about it? He knows about it. It says here, And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee a trembling heart and a failing of eyes and a sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning... Thou shalt say, would God it were evening. And at evening thou shalt say, would to God it was morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear. And for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. God knows everywhere they're at. He's known every generation. He knew when the Holocaust was happening. Don't you understand something? When the Holocaust happened and they were killing, killing thousands of Jews, when they killed those thousands of Jews, do you know that was a setup for Israel to become a state? It was. Whether you like it or not, it happened. God allowed it to happen. But God 
it's allowed them to go through a punishing time. A time when there's no peace. Why? They were scattered all over the nations. One place it says God will protect them everywhere they are. Wow. Listen to this. I'm going to read in Ezekiel 11. I found this last night, and it topped off what I just read to you. But I want you to hear these two verses. In 11, 6, uh, Ezekiel eleven sixteen, 16, it says, Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, Yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary. How many knows God knows how to bring a little sanctuary to his people? You hear what I said? Did you ever read the story of Cory Ten Boom? You read the little story of Cory Ten Boom. She was a Jewish girl at that time. And can I tell you, they brought her before a firing squad and somehow they all missed her. She was spared. One day in her life, after all of this was happening, she gave her heart to God. She thought, Lord, you rescued me for a reason, so I'm going to spread the gospel. One day she faced one of the German soldiers that was so cruel to her family. She lost sisters and brothers. She lost family. And she thought she was over it until she saw his face. And she wanted to kill him. She wanted to destroy him. She didn't want to have mercy. But he came and asked for mercy. Listen to me. God knows where you're at. God knows where to bring. God has got a mission in this life. He's got a mission for Israel. He's brought them through many, many trials, many, many times. The enemy has showed up at their door. You can read the wars that happened after they became a state. And you can find out God has been fighting for them. God has never turned his eye from Israel. He knows the plans. He knows, Ryan, what's going to happen in the tribulation time. But God still got his eyes and his hand upon Israel. It says... Yet will I be with them as a little sanctuary in the, in the countries where they shall come. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel. What a promise. Here is Israel been through the bondage of Babylon, went from Babylon to the, to the uh, Medes and the Persians, to the Greeks, to the Romans, and here they are in this day and time during Ezekiel, they're in bondage, and he's telling them that they are going to get back the land. He ain't talking about being under somebody else. He's talking about them being ahead of the land. God says, I will gather and I will assemble. God is calling Israel home. He's fixing to do a work. How many knows God's calling the church? He's trying his best to call the church to get ready. Gather and assemble together now. 
because time is coming. If we don't, God will scatter us. America's in a scattering place. I, I can listen to Trump. I can listen to some of our politicians. They ain't going to fix it. The only gathering that we need is the gathering of, of our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit's going to have to get a hold of our hearts and cause us to repent. America needs to repent if we're going to have it tomorrow. I keep saying it, but I don't know how else to say it. It's just exactly where Israel's at. They need to see Jesus for who he was. America needs to see Jesus. They need to see the one. I woke up this morning and I could see Jesus taking one step at a time toward the cross. One step at a time. I could see his feet, April. It was like I, all of a sudden he was walking slow but taking one step at a time. He stepped those steps for you and I. He paid our price. The work is done. We just got to get on board. When Jesus came, listen to Israel again. Jesus brought the gospel. He brought the message. He was the Messiah, the one to bring the message to Israel. But in Matthew 23, you've heard this all your life. Hear this. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that kills the prophets and stones them which are sent unto thee. How oft could I have gathered, would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. How often is God trying to bring the church together and gather them under his wings, but they refuse. We don't like doing things the old way. We don't like doing things the new way. We don't like this. We don't like that. You know what God says? Let yourself go and come to me and run under my wings because I know how to keep you. And I'm doing everything I can to gather you because why? We're in a danger zone. Don't know if you know it, but we're in the danger zone. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, Jesus told him. For I say to you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. What's he telling them? Jesus is telling them, I'm come to the end of my ministry on this earth. Israel, I've given you everything the Father sent me to give you, but you rejected me. One day, when you see me again, You'll see me coming in the clouds. And when you see me coming, I'll come to fight for Israel. And when you see me, you'll look on him whom you crucified. I mean, here's what I said. Don't you know that day's coming? Don't you know Israel don't realize they're not going to see it until they see Jesus? Then they're going to know in their heart they had rejected the very son of the living God that was sent. They not only have rejected the prophets, they've not only rejected his word, but they rejected the very Son of God. But he says, you'll see me again someday. In Luke 19, 41, 
Listen to these verses. And when he, talking about Jesus, was come near, 1941 of Luke, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. How many knows Jesus wept? Why did he weep? He weeped because the great plan of God to bring it to his own people, Abraham's children, and yet they rejected him. Yet they were ready to kill him. Yet they hated him. No matter what good he did or what he said to them, even if he spoke with mercy, they had nothing to do with him. Some reason or other, we live in a day where sinners can come into the house of God. You can talk about their sin. You can talk about what's right in the eyes of God, but they'll walk right out. I don't want nothing to do with that. If anybody else makes it, I'll make it. He's going to have great on a curve. You know what? God has laid it out before us. He's laid out his gift of salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to bring a big sacrifice. You don't have to do nothing. You just have to bring yourself and say, Jesus, you paid for me, and I want to be your child. Accept me, Lord. Accept me. I surrender myself to you. I need a Savior. I'm lost, and I need a Savior. Forty-two says, saying, if thou hast known, listen to this, if thou hast known, even thou, talking about Israel, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid. Jesus said, I brought you the way of peace. Jesus Christ was the peace to Israel. I mean, here's what I'm saying. And yet he said, I brought this your way, but now you don't see it. You're not going to see it. Your eyes are blinded. You won't see it no more. And it says, for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and come past thee round and keep thee on er on, in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children with thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of your visitation. How many knows Israel didn't know the time of the visitation of Christ? He did, they didn't know this was the time of mercy for them. You know what? We, we read those stories over and over. We read about Jesus coming as a baby. We read about the stories of how he went around and healed and preached the gospel. And that's the whole gospel that we read on all the time. Yet Israel stood firm against it. They stood firm. You know what he's saying to them? You'll see it. The day's coming, not one stone upon another, because you knew not the time of your visitation. In 70 A.D., even before all the apostles died, Jerusalem was wiped out. 
Rome, Titus from Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem. You think God don't, you think God don't complete what he says? That's why, guess what, happened again. Israel scattered. They were everywhere. They ran for their lives. They first surrounded them, dug trenches around them, and they surrounded them in, and they, they kept them in, and they leveled the place. I want you to understand something. God's going to bring a judgment, and there won't be no escape. I'm not trying to be cruel, but I'm not trying to be evil. I want to warn the parents because the kids need to know. You can't leave them with any amount of money, any amount of supplies. You can't store up canned goods, store up bottles of water, and fix it for your children. You know how short you've come from giving them what they need? They need Jesus. And he says, I will take care of my own. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, 6. I want you to hear this. This was Israel, but this was Isaiah saying it. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I don't know about you, but see Isaiah 55. He might have been writing to Israel. But can I tell you, that runs all the way through the church. He will abundantly pardon. He's telling you, if you only seek me and come to me and repent, I will come back to you and I will lift you up and abundantly pardon you. I don't know about you, but that's the God, God that we serve still today. He's not changed. They said it. He's not changed. Jeremiah 29, 11. You've heard this before. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, the Lord said, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Praise God. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken to you and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart and I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. How many knows God's telling them, I'm going to bring you back home and I'm going to give you the land that I told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this will be your land, God's land. It might look like desert over there to you, but can I tell you, it's the, where the new Jerusalem's coming down. Israel's going to go back on their homeland and they're going to be in charge of it. Jesus is going to reign and rule. 
Nehemiah was actually, even though it's before Psalms and Proverbs and Job, it's actually around 400 and something uh, B.C., which is right before Malachi was written, which is the last book of the, of the Old Testament. So you've got to understand where Nehemiah was at. They were rebuilding the walls. But Nehemiah made a statement here in, in Nehemiah 1.9. He said, but if you turn to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. God chose Israel. He chose the place of Israel. He chose to set his people there. Come on back up, Megan. I had a, a whole other page of scriptures for tonight that has got a lot to do with this, but I'm not going to go through them because I want you to come back tonight. But I want to read one verse that God spoke to me this last week. The first verse that God put on my heart before I ever got any of this message, and I want you to hear what it is. Because somewhere along the line, you got to hear what God is saying to you. Hebrews 11, 6. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. New Testament. I want you to hear this. Verse 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. How many hear what I just said? If you come to God before you come to God and think I'm just going to earn my way to get to be a Christian, listen to me. You got to believe that he is. You got to know that the God that you have never saw with these eyes is alive and well and he's real. He says, if you come to me, it says here, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. Somewhere along the line, you got to make up your mind, God's real. There's no sense you coming up here and impressing me or your mother and father or anybody else. Come to him. You don't come to us, you come to him. Why? Because he's alive and well. And he's still the God that you need to repent to. For it's his law you broke. It's not just mom and dad's rules. It's his ways you broke. He said, for he, he that comes to me, comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to come to the place in our life where you, you know what? Some of you have waited until you grew up. You waited until you tried the world before you came to Jesus. But somewhere along the line, you have to make up your mind. I know I need Jesus. I know I need this way. You can set it aside. It's the same question you'll have if you reject him, and that's why you got elders in their 80s and 90s that has accepted Christ as their Savior. 
only by the grace of God. They've rejected him all their life. Some have even said, I'll wait till I'm dying before I'll accept him. You can't do that. When he speaks your name, he's calling you out. When he tells you you're lost and you know inside you are, you need to come and confess your sin. You ain't coming to us. We're not tallying some kind of record book. Your name needs to go in the book of heaven. And then, you know what? I don't judge. My, we're not the judge of anybody. You live just as near Christ as you want to live. And you get near him, and you'll find out he'll talk to you. He'll walk with you. He'll be in you. You'll read stuff, and you'll say, I never saw that in my life. All of a sudden, the world gets dim, and he gets brighter. There's a seeking. The world is searching. Israel was searching to get back in their land. They were searching to be back in control of their land when Jesus came. They, did, they were looking for a Savior that would come and flip it over and roam out of there and let them rule. That ain't what they needed. They needed first to repent. You know that every one of us are born in sin. It don't take long for you to realize you're lost without God. I was a teenager, and I told you, I was afraid to go to sleep at night. I was afraid to turn the lights out. because I knew I was lost. And I think about that little prayer, if when I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul keep. If I die before I wake, and I was so afraid I'd die before I woke up, I'd wake up day after day, but that was on my mind every time I'd close my eyes at night or try to close my eyes. Why? Because I knew I was lost. I'd heard Brother Vaughn, I'd heard him preach the gospel. I'd heard through our Sunday school teachers that, you know what, I needed to give my life to Jesus. And I thought, oh, I'm raised in church, I'm okay. But then the day came when I realized I had not been saved. And I ran scared. I ran from my parents. I ran from church. And I was running the day Jesus caught me. But he caught me. He caught me that day between Christmas and New Year. My cousin, Steve Ball, came home with me to stay from Grandma's at Christmas. And the next night, we went to church. And I kept trying to talk him out of going. I kept saying, oh, we can stay home. No, I want to go to your church. And I followed him to church that way. That's how they got me there. Because I was running, trying to stay away from church. But when I got in there and I stood, and it was altar call time, I just kept telling myself, if they'll just quit singing, I'll get out of here. 
But then Brother Byron said, let's sing one more verse, one more verse and chorus. And when he did, Tim, I just started melting. Man turned around, put his arm around me, told me Jesus loved me. That's all he said to me. I was already ready. I just began to melt. I started taking my jacket off. I thought, Lord, I can't fight this. I can't live this way. But I really wanted something real. I didn't want something fake. I didn't want to go and press mom and dad. That wasn't going to help me. I needed to know what it meant to be saved. You need to know what it means to accept Jesus as your Savior. If you're not there, you need to come and you need to pray. You're not coming just, you can come to, you can come in front of us because you know what? Confessing out in front is not, you ain't going to be ashamed of the gospel. When he hits you, you'll be happy. You'll be happy that everybody else is on your side. But you're coming to him. Remember that. He's the Savior. Praise God. Everybody stand, if you will. While they sing something, if you need to come, doors open. The door of the gospel of Jesus Christ is open to you today. God loves Israel. He's going to work with Israel. You know, he's, he talks about giving them a second chance. Why? Because they've suffered greater than any nation. They have suffered, even though they've caused a lot of it, but yet they're an example to you and I. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. While they sing, you come. Come. 